Whether you're starting a game or starting your day, you need to pick a starting lineup and you're going to want the starter from Jack Black. Loaded with the superior skincare the pros love, Kings fans can get the starter for just $10, shipping included. Available exclusively at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, the starter has four of Jack Black's best-selling skincare and shave products, plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm, SPF 25. Here's to the winning combination for 2023, the LA Kings and the starter from Jack Black. $10 plus free shipping, available at GetJackBlack.com with the code TEAMJB, while supplies last. You're listening to an L.A. Kings podcast. For more episodes of this and every other Kings program, visit lakings.com slash podcast. And here come the Blue Jackets. Chance for a two-on-one. Shinikov with Gavrikov. Gavrikov scores! You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the L.A. Kings. Set to the front, backhanded. Oh, bro! He robs Leon Dreisaitl. Holy jumping, what a save. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. I am Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Late Tuesday night, following a dramatic shootout victory over the Winnipeg Jets, news leaked that the Kings had made a trade for goaltender Jonas Corposalo and defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov from the Columbus Blue Jackets. The deal was finalized and announced Wednesday morning, that's today, Headed back to Columbus was a conditional first-round pick, a third-round pick, and LA Kings goaltender Jonathan Quick. Ordinarily, when a trade happens, I like to talk to someone with first-hand experience covering the player or players coming into the Kings organization. Then I like to have another episode talking about what that trade means in a larger context. Today, we're going to be dealing with the players acquired by the Kings in this trade. You'll hear from Zach Dooley, Jeff Svoboda, the Blue Jackets insider, and a selection of clips from General Manager Rob Blake's media availability. What you won't hear is a conversation about how much Jonathan Quick has meant to the Kings organization or what it means to the fans to trade away a player of his stature. That conversation will come with time, but for today, I wanted to move quickly, and today has been hectic at times. Trade deadline is still out there. We'll keep bringing you episodes. Just keep your head up and your ears open. 20 games left, Kings fans. Let's go. All right, joining me now, Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Zach? Jesse, a little bit tired, as this is going to be my intro on each segment of this podcast. Yeah, that's right. But, um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. We are recording this, the intro to this episode, in the studio after both of us having listened to and you participating in the Rob Blake media availability, talking about the trade of Jonathan Quick for Vladislav Gavrikov and Jonas Corposalo. We will bring you a conversation that you and I had recorded earlier this morning with Jeff Svoboda, Blue Jackets insider, about those two players, what you should expect from it. But before we do all that, um, I just wanted to address the elephant in the room, Zach, and I didn't want to write a script and read it to myself in my apartment because I hate it. So you made that. me drive all the that's way right. down here. That's exactly to do it. Yep, that's correct. good. That is precisely what happened. People who listen to me on this show and other shows may know this story. I just told you a brief version of it. I will tell you the story now. In 1994, it's in July, it's in the summer. Uh, If it was 1994, I guess I was 16 years old. A friend of mine named Joel, his parents were, I don't know, out of town, at a conference. I don't know how they were not there, but they were not there. He had a house party. He had an older brother. His older brother, Craig, 
was that cool older brother that knew all the bands that none of us had ever heard of. If you wanted to hear the newest Pavement LP, Craig was your guy. He had a bunch of Dodgers posters on his wall. It was great. Craig was cool. We were not. We got to go to Craig's party. As I'm walking through the house, Craig bumps into me, knows I'm a huge Kings fan, and with a big grin on his face, like a dick, (laughs) Craig, uh, says... Luke Robitaille just got traded, and I'm so thrilled to be the one to to tell you. Thrilled? Yeah. He was, like, happy to, you Can know. Can I interject? Please. How did the news break in 1994 That's that a player was traded? That's a question, and I don't even know. It might have been in the morning's LA Times. Okay. I'm not sure. Uh, I'd have to go back and look at what the... Actually, I'm looking at the trade dragger right now. Oh, I don't have the day of the week. I just have July 29th, 1994. My hunch is that the party was on July 30th. And I hadn't seen that morning. I hadn't paper. seen it. It might have been on ESPN2, something yeah, like that. There certainly yeah. was no internet. Uh, I did not believe it. I was in shock and spent the rest of the day and the rest of the party upset and not really wanting to talk to anybody. Now, in retrospect, what a fool I was. I should have just enjoyed my day and enjoyed the party because it, it all worked out. Um, the point of telling that story, though, is to say Luke Robitaille was my favorite player. I had posters on his wall. I was 16 years old. Believe it or not, the LA Kings meant more to me at that point in my life than they did to me today as an employee of the team. Um, To every fan out there who is over the age of 30, you have some version of that story for yourself, whether it's Wayne Gretzky, Luke Robitaille, Marcel Dion, Rogi Vashon, Tyler Toffoli, Jeff Carter, Whoever it is, I get it. You have that moment where you felt like a part of yourself was traded away. The fact that I can rattle off a list of names like that is to say that this is not new. It will be okay. I understand. I fully understand how much it is upsetting in the moment. And we will have another episode devoted to that notion. Today, we just want to talk about the incoming players. Jesse, I'm emotional right now listening Good. to the story. You've, you've ins- <laughs> I don't know what you've sent into my body, but you have sparked emotion. Perfect. Uh, but just like it wasn't Rick Tockett's fault in 1994 that he was traded for Lou Grobatai, uh, it is not Vladislav Gavrikov or Jonas, Jonas excuse me, I'm going to keep doing that, Jonas Corpusalo's fault uh, that they were traded for Jonathan Quick. And we look forward to seeing what those two players can bring to the LA Kings. Before we get into our conversation with Jeff Svoboda about those two players, Zach, you and I were on the call with Rob Blake and the rest of the media. Was there any anything that you didn't learn from Jeff that you did learn from Rob? I think that, well, there, there's a lot of stuff about the team itself that we certainly learned from Rob Blake. And number one, I don't think that a first round pick going for a rental player was always in the cards for this team, but the performance of the team seem to have spurred Rob Blake and his staff to be comfortable doing that to allow the group to potentially take the next step. Um, liked both of the individuals that he got. Um, complimented Gavrikov. He's obviously a left shot, um, which they they do allow those players to play for the Kings. Um, he'll be here and in, in likely slot in somewhere behind Mikey Anderson. Likes how Jonas Corposalo could compliment Phoenix Copley. Uh, the calming, composed style that McClellan has recently... Talked about Copley for similar things with Corpusalo, though Corpusalo's body of work 
a little bit bigger, a little bit more experience, a little bit more playoff experience. So all that's good. Um, but the big, the big takeaway for me was the organizational mentality has clearly evolved from maybe where it was a year ago. And I think that was the biggest thing is like this, this team is now comfortable expending assets like that and making very, very difficult emotional and locker room decisions in order to do what they feel can potentially get them that much closer to a Stanley cup. Then that, that was really what I took away from that conversation. For the last couple of years, I've written sort of, you know, where are we now articles for, for LA Kings insider at, in the off season, how the team was built. Yep. And every year it was just, yeah, I had to edit them. I know (laughs) every year it was just rehashing. Like Rob Blake doesn't, you know, he's just asset acquisition. Mm Mm-hmm. And then with the acquisition of, of uh, excuse me, Deneau, Arvidsson, and Edler, we started to see a shift in that. Now, Edler and Deneau were free agents. Arvidsson cost two first-round picks. Leish Anderson cost the second-round pick. Suddenly, slowly, slowly, high-value assets were leaving in return for contributing players. Yep. Brock Faber in a first for Kevin Fiala was a huge shift in that policy. And... This now is a first and a third, um, a conditional first round pick, but another first round pick for two sp- spots that nobody has been shy about the Kings needing. I mean, on paper, this is an excellent trade. Ignoring the emotional element of it, on paper, this is an excellent trade. You have to separate the yeah. hockey side from the emotional side with regards to the 22-23 LA Kings. You can argue, hey... We didn't want to go first for this. That's fine. You can make that argument. But this is also, you know, all those trades you mentioned either gave up no assets or they gave up assets for players with term. Mm -hmm. And this is the first time they've given up true high quality assets without taking a single player skater off the roster and turned it into players whose future could be whenever the Kings are eliminated or win the Stanley Cup. That's that could be the extent of the time for either of these guys, but they're high enough quality players in Blake's eyes and they fit the role well enough in his eyes that it was worth taking that step to keep the group moving forward. Um, And that was a shift that I don't know if everyone was ready for. I don't know how much we expected that to be the move that the Kings made, but it is the move that they've made. And it's firmly planted that the play of this team has merited that kind of move. Before we get to Jeff, one final thought. Um, in the past, I have been very vocal about what I, you know, I've fought with people on social media, on message boards, but what I think. You? Yeah. About the best and worst trades in franchise history, right? People say the Viznovsky for Stolen Green is the best. Some people say the Carter trade was the best. Some people say yeah. Gabrick, whatever it is. Um, ultimately, um, trades are evaluated over time. And. I know that some people believe that, you know, the impact of the trade is ultimately the the measure. I I don't personally agree. You know, there are trades that resulted in the Kings winning the Stanley Cup that I don't think are great trades. Um, but I'm not going to complain about it because right. they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, all that is to just say, I have no idea what I think about this trade in the moment. It's way too soon. It's way too fresh. We have to wait days, weeks, months maybe even years. Um, but uh, appreciate everybody that reached out and asked me how I was doing. I'm doing just fine. Uh, like I said on Twitter, if I can get over Luke Robitaille being traded and Craig rubbing it in my face. Craig. <laughs> I, can, uh, I reached out to Craig today to tell him I was thinking of him. 
Um, we might have Craig on a future yeah, episode. Need him. <laughs> the other important thing, actually, yep. I think that Blake brought up was mm-hmm. not only did they acquire those two players, but they also acquired cap space. Yeah. And he made sure to point that out. You know, usually when you're the team subtracting a draft pick and adding players, you're losing cap space. You're maybe finding a third team to take some of that cap space. The Kings actually netted $1.7 million, if you look at it from a full-year perspective in cap space. You know, Rob Blake said, you know, I don't have anything that I'm going to pull the trigger on in 30 minutes, but he did not rule out the possibility that there could be more to come and potentially the cap space that was created could be a part of that. So I think the knee-jerk reactions at least probably have to wait until the deadline passes and then we can truly evaluate is this a move in a vacuum or is this a move that was a part of an overall structure of moves and we're, we might not know that for a couple more days. Yeah, the deadline is still Friday. It still seems insane that today's Wednesday. Um, there have been a ton of trades. We will get into a lot that of next trades. week a lot as of well. Trades. Uh, yeah, it feels like in years past, there has always been a question on the call. You know, usually it's it, it, with this regime, it's been, you know, Alec Martinez being traded away or to follow your card or whatever. There was always that question at the end of the call. Are you done? Yep. And the answer was always, yeah, yep. we're done. Today, the question came and the answer was not necessarily. Right. And my eyebrows went up. Same. So shift in, you know, mentality mm-hmm. because when, when that team was selling, you got to a point where like, all right, like we've, we've sold what we believe this is the year to sell. You know, the Kings are, are still looking to get better and every move that they're going to make at this stage is made with the aim of improving the, the team as it's currently assembled. And I do want to toss this one out. I will probably say it many times over the next few days. Rob Blake certainly went out of his way to praise Jonathan Quick for his time here in L.A. Jonathan Quick, in my opinion, is the most important player in Kings history. I've said it before. I'll equivocate here. He's a goalie. The goalie is the most important position on a hockey team. He's the best goalie in franchise history. That makes him the most important. Not the best. Not the greatest. Not the most important. I just said the most important. Not the... Not the Face of the franchise, not the greatest legacy, not all that. His play, him as a player, he's been one of my absolute favorites. And uh, like I said, we will have another episode talking about Jonathan Quick. But for now, we're going to talk to Jeff Sabota about Vladislav Gavrikov, Jonas Corposalo, and then we will have some selected clips from Rob Blake and his media availability. Joining us now... Columbus Blue Jackets team reporter Jeff Svoboda. How are you doing today, Jeff? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Excellent. Thank you. And featuring Zach Dooley. How are you doing today, Zach? Jesse, a little bit tired, but doing good as always. Yeah. What time did you get in last night, Zach? Uh, in about 2.30. About 2.30. Child's play. A couple uh, hours. Good to go. Sorry to tease all of our listeners, but Jeff, how's the weather in Columbus? You know what? It's funny. It's actually great right now. Um, it's in the 60s and sunny, and uh, we've had a very mild winter so far. So uh, it almost it almost feels LA like. It's I think it's maybe a little bit better than than what you guys have had. You guys have some some rough weather, haven't you? Windy and rainy. So I will uh, bypass the weather trading joke here and just jump straight <laughs> into talking about uh, the players acquired by the LA Kings in this trade. Let's start with Vladislav Gavrikov, a left shot defenseman. Uh, we know he's big. What else do Kings fans need to know about Gavrikov? It, it, it kind of starts there. Uh, he's known for his defensive prowess, and uh, the, the Blue Jackets coaching staffs over the last couple of years 
and refer to him as an octopus because they say, you know, when he gets his hands or his tentacles on an opposing player, uh, they don't really get away. Uh, you know, and he and I've seen that in his play. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't have eight arms uh, like an octopus, but it feels like he does because of his ability to just shut down play, shut down opposing players and things like that. Um, he, he's a big, gritty defenseman. Um, but I think there's more to his game than that. Uh, a season ago, um, I forget the exact number, but he was close to about 30 assists. I think it was five goals, 28 assists. I could be wrong on that, uh, but it was right in that ballpark. And so he was a, a guy that contributed offensively a little bit a season ago. And so um, his, his calling card is going to be the fact that in his defensive zone, uh, he's a very strong player. Uh, he'll be a goalie's best friend. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there are some times where you look up and he's, behind, you know, basically under his own goal line uh, trying to create on offense. And so he has a really good sense of when to join the rush, when to get involved on the offensive side of things. Uh, and, and so I think he's a pretty good player. I know that the analytics numbers have, have been kind of down on him, especially this season, but I, I think some of that's also related to the fact that the Blue Jackets have just struggled as a whole. Uh, I, I think you plug him into a, a pretty solid defense uh, there in LA in a team that's that's playing better. Uh, and I think you're going to see him really be the kind of guy you want to have, you know, in the playoffs with his ability to uh, shut down plays and, and be physical and uh, get things done on that side of the ice. When you talk about all those qualities, it, it lends itself naturally to a penalty killer. Um, when you talk about special teams focus, you look at his numbers, he's among the, the leaders in penalty kill time on ice. Has he been a pretty big part of, of what the Jackets have done on the PK? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, that definitely stands out as well. I say that's uh, that's his style. Uh, is that uh, he's he's not going to be known for his offense. I, I do want to sort of um, not understate the fact I think he does bring some of that to the table. But like I said, the calling card is going to be defensively uh, a key part of the Blue Jackets penalty kill the last couple of years. I, I don't think he takes a ton of penalties either, which makes him a very dependable guy to have on a penalty killing unit because he's, uh, I think it's up a little bit this year, but, but by and large, he's a guy uh, that, that stays out of the box, uh, you, you know, plays a very clean game, uh, he's not necessarily going to be a fighter uh, when I talk about him bringing a physical presence to the table, uh, but but he's not afraid to mix it up. He's not afraid to be a physical guy within the framework of the game. Um, and I think, you know, as I said, a, a goalie's best friend from a shot blocking standpoint. Uh, he's just one of those guys that I think you need come playoff time because um, he's able to play that really strong zone game in his defensive zone. Um, and like I said, there's, there is a little bit of, of offense to him as well. I think that's going to catch some people by surprise as the games go on. Uh, but again, the, really the, the, the key to it is, is what he brings defensively. He's an experienced guy. He's played in the playoffs. He's, you know, they, they put him in against Boston in 2019 when he first got here from Russia. Uh, he played against Toronto and Tampa Bay in the 2020 playoffs. Uh, he brings a lot of experience to the table. And, um, and I don't know if you want to ask about this as well, but a great personality. He's going to fit in right away. And I think Kings fans are going to love him it's not immediately clear where he'll play in the Kings lineup or who he'll be partnered with. Is there a pattern or a style of player that he's better suited to play with and any thoughts on special teams deployment? Ooh, that's a, that's a really good question because with the injuries the Jackets have had over the years, uh, they, they really had to slot him in with a bunch of different style of defensemen. Um, I'd have to go back and look, but I would venture to guess he's probably played with, you know, upwards of 10 different guys over his career. And, and he's kind of a, a jack of all trades in that way that you know, I think he's probably been best suited being with a little bit more of a defensive guy. Uh, you know, he, he's had a, a really good partnership with David Savard when he first got here. Um, another guy that uh, was a guy that Blue Jackets traded at the deadline a couple of years ago. Uh, went to Tampa Bay and, and won a Stanley Cup there. Uh, and somewhat similar defensemen in that style. They were both 
um, defensive heavy guys, but guys who brought a little bit of offense to the table. Uh, and, and so I could see Gabrikov kind of being in that mold uh, that where he's able to fit in there quickly. But, but I think, like I said, just because he does have a little bit of that offensive ability to him, uh, he can kind of fit in with, with anybody. He, he's played with a bunch of different players over the years, um, uh, you know, and really I think will come down to, to how the Kings want to use him. Do they want to put a little bit more offensive guy and then allow Gabrikov to, to be a little bit more uh, staying back? I think he can excel in that role. But I also think if you put him with another uh, really physical, really big guy uh, in some of those tough minutes late in games, I think he's uh, shown that he's been pretty good in that type of role as well. So it's really just going to come down to, um, you know, I don't know the, the Kings defensive pairings, you know, off the top of my head, but I would think, um, you know, the, the, he's he's versatile enough. I think he can kind of slot in with whoever they want him to play with. Sounds like Matty Roy to me, Jesse. A little nah, bit, yeah. When, uh, when I hear what Jeff was saying there, um, when you talk about the depth and the injury issues that, that Columbus has had, is it fair to say that maybe he was asked to play in some very difficult minutes with the Blue Jackets and he's kind of got that experience playing against other teams top players, even if it was out of necessity at times. Yeah, he's been pretty much a, a top pair defenseman for the Jackets throughout the entire season. And uh, that wasn't the plan. You know, the plan is for Zach Wierenski to do that, uh, who is also a left shot defenseman, uh, who, you know, is a, a multiple time all-star uh, up to this point in his career. But unfortunately, he gets injured so early in the season. And it wasn't just him. The Blue Jackets uh, lost defenseman Jake Bean uh, for the season very early on. They, they lost Adam Boquist. Um, and Nick Blankenberg for a, a pretty strong stretch there. So they were down four defensemen uh, for a good stretch of this season, you know, which probably explains the record. Uh, if you lose four of your top def- seven defensemen coming into a season, it's going to be tough. Uh, and so Gavi has had to step up and, and play some of those minutes. And you know, I, I don't have the exact number off the top of my head, but yeah, it, it was it, it was a, an ask that where I, I would say he's probably best suited as a second pair defenseman um, and, and, you know, maybe even a third pair on a team that, that wants to win a Stanley Cup. Uh, he was having to play first pair of minutes uh, this season for the Blue Jackets. And so I think that would also go into contributing where, where the analytics have, have not been as good on him this season. Uh, but I think if you put him in a, in a proper spot and, and, and deputize him in a way uh, that fits his skill set, um, he's used to playing those tough minutes. I think he's uh, can really slot in well and, and be a very useful piece uh, for, for teams going forward. We have four guys that shoot right on the blue line, so I can't imagine this even comes up. But just out of curiosity, can he play the right side? You know, Columbus has had to kind of do that with some guys over the this year because what's weird for us, um, unlike a lot of teams in the NHL, we we actually have more right shot defensemen than uh, a lot of teams do. Um, so some of our right guys have had to play on the left. I don't remember Gavi ever having to move over to the right side. Um, but, you know, he, he's a team guy. He He's an absolutely a very low maintenance kind of guy that if he had to do it, I'm sure he would do it. I, I couldn't tell you how effective he would be. Um, but I would also tell you that I, I can't imagine he's someone who would have any complaints uh, doing that. Should that be uh, what the Kings need at this point? I can't imagine it'll be what they need, but it just felt <laughs> like, felt like I had to ask. Um, it should have gone in a very different direction than intended. <laughs> yeah. <that> is asked. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you talked about his personality. So let's get uh, into it a little bit. One of the things I like to ask about new players is how do they handle adversity? So it sounds like uh, Columbus has had its fair share of adversity this season. How has he handled it? You know, how is he around people off the ice? Yeah, probably one of my favorite players that I've covered uh, at the National Hockey League level. And I would say without a doubt, the funniest. Um, he always has a smile on his face. He's always the guy that lightens the mood, uh, whether it be during warmups, uh, whether it be during games. Uh, he, he's a constant chatterer um, on the bench with his teammates. And, uh, you know, especially in game, you know, we've, we've mic'd him up a couple of times and 
uh, there's some gold in there. He, he's been um, a, a very funny as far as that goes. And so in a season where the team has struggled, um, I, I think he, he kept an even keel. Uh, and, you know, I think fans maybe sometimes would prefer to see someone that's breaking sticks and, uh, you know, with, with the, the losses the team had early in the season. But I, I think there's something to be said when you're playing 82 games. You need someone who's not going to, you know, ride that emotional roller coaster. He's not going to have a ton of ups and downs. Uh, that's Vladislav Gabrikov. He comes to the, to the rink every day. He has a smile on his face. He's joking with his teammates. He's having fun, uh, you know, and I think, um, you know, that that can only help, I think, come playoff time where there, there are those emotional swings and uh, the intensity ramps up. The fact that he's able to, to keep that, uh, um, that, that kind of mindset that everything's on an even keel. Uh, and he's played in big games. He's played Stanley Cup playoff games. He's played Olympic gold medal games with Russia. Uh, he has a gold medal from over there, I think, back in 2018. So um, I, I think he's shown he can handle those big moments and he can handle adversity and, and the pressure and all those things that come with it. Um, but one of, the, one of the best guys I've covered, super great guy. Um, I said, it was funny as they come, uh, just a, a brilliant deadpan sense of humor. And I think it's going to be very quick that he goes into that King's locker room. And they're like, we really like being around this guy because, uh, it, it was a pleasure having him around Columbus for the past four seasons. That's for sure. So what you're saying is he's going to answer the hard hitting questions that Jesse and I are going to be asking him <laughs> very, he very well. well. We're like, well. I think he would. And if you put him on camera, he, he has this, this, the sense of humor is deadpan, but it's real. So uh, look forward to that because it's going to be pretty fun. I'm already going to call him the golden octopus. And I'm sure he'll have no <laughs> idea why. Uh, all right, let's talk about Jonas Corposalo then. Uh, this is a goaltender who I know by name, but not much by reputation. What do Kings fans need to know about Jonas Corposalo? Is it Jonas or Junus? Uh Jonas. Jonas is what he's gone by. Oh, Although I think in Finland they do pronounce the J. It's, two strikes it's, it's, and one swing. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always called him Eunice, and then most people have called him Jonas, and so I've just kind of gone with uh, Jonas at this point. Most people called him Corby, actually, at this point in his uh, um, Blue Jackets career. So, so it goes. Um, but <laughs> uh, from the goaltending perspective, he's a guy that, that's had a tough career as a Blue Jacket. Um, you know, he, he was brought up and, and there was a, a bunch of injuries back in, I think it was the 2016, 17 season. No, maybe it was the year before that 15, 16, um, where Sergei Bobrovsky got hurt and they had some other injuries and, and Corby had to go in to the lineup and actually played really well for at the time, a 21 year old kid. But then after that, Sergei Bobrovsky was a guy that played 60 games every season. And so he had to learn how to be a backup at the NHL level. And, and I think he's a guy generally when he gets a lot of playing time, he plays better. Uh, he showed that, you know, the season after Bobrovsky left 2019, 2020, um, he got in a real groove and played very well, uh, then got hurt, but came back and also played very well in that bubble playoff. And then the last couple of seasons, you know, there's been some injuries. There's been some ups and downs. He, he basically had a season from hell last year uh, where, you know, he was injured at times. He got sick multiple times, um, finally had to undergo hip surgery that ended his season. And, and it was just a brutal season for him. Um, and the Blue Jackets brought him back on a, a pretty cheap deal this year just to kind of, you know, give him a chance to rebound his career. And, and he's had a great season. Um, he's been playing a lot. His save percentage has been at, I believe, right around 920 uh, since the start of December. Uh, and, and he's played like the, the Jonas Corposalo that when he gets time and when he gets into a rhythm, we've seen him play like that before. So um, his bounce back year this year has been one of the, for a tough season in Columbus, has been one of the real positives. Um, and I think that if he goes into LA and, and who knows how the goaltending ro rotation is going to break up, but the way he's playing right now, I would say over the last two months, he's been as good as about anybody in the NHL. Um, he's made some spectacular saves. You know, he's had really good games stacked on top of each other. You know, goaltending's weird. You know, sometimes guys have rough ears. Sometimes they, they catch fire. 
Uh, he's been on an upswing right now. And, and I think that if, you know, if he goes in there and gets comfortable and gets playing time, I would not be surprised to see him have a really good playoff because he's done it before here in Columbus. First time that he kind of came onto my radar was that COVID bubble year, the, the 2020 playoffs. Um, assuming he was playing behind a pretty, pretty well-structured John Tortorella team at that point. See the kind of guy who can excel behind that that type of a group in front of him and did maybe the team in front of him when it wasn't quite as good impact his stat line a little bit yeah I think it all plays a part and you know at the start of this season the Blue Jackets were struggling defensively they were last year as well and I think that was reflected in in the goalie numbers uh you know it was it was probably a two-way street both sides probably wish they had been doing a little bit better but um I I do think at, at this point over the last little stretch um, you know, the way Corpus Allo has played has been really good. And, and his style is to, you know, he's not the goaltender that's going to overplay something or make the acrobatic saves. Um, I mean, he's made some spectacular saves, you know, over the last couple of seasons. Um, but by and large, you know, his, his job is to be the calm, cool, collected guy. He's, the body's not flying all over the place. Um, when he's locked in, uh, you know, he's, he's compact. He's, he's not moving around a ton. He doesn't give up a ton of rebounds. Um, you know, he, he lets the game come to him and then reacts off of it. And so I think if you do have a pretty well-structured defense, um, that's probably the kind of guy you want behind them is because they can feed off each other in that way. Um, and and I, th- I think you are right that the Jackets were, you know, as you go back to maybe when they've had their most success, it was those Tortorella teams that, that really committed to, to playing defensively. Um, and so, you know, if, if he gets behind a team like that, I can I would think it can only help him. There's a stat, a goalie stat that I've become really, really fond of. I don't want to dive, you know, neck deep into goalie stats. I'm just going to dip a pinky toe into it. But the stat is percentage of shot attempts blocked by teammates. It's a stat I'd never even heard of before this year. And now I'm just completely obsessed with it. Um, Copley leads the league. Uh, I think there's maybe a guy or two who have played like, you know, two games that might be ahead of him. But as far as goalies with serious Games played, Copley's number one at around 25%. Um, Corpusalo is 61st in the league at 19.96%. The Kings block shots well. Everything I've seen of Corpusalo's stats suggests that he plays well as a goalie when not hung out to dry exactly, but when the team in front of him maybe isn't playing that staunch starter on the defense that you were talking about. The Kings excel in all those things. Should we just expect the two to be a match made in heaven then? I'm sort of asking you to repeat yourself a little bit, but. Well, I mean, when you put it that way, it sounds like they should be, uh, you know, it's hard to tell. And the, the fact is, I would say that number kind of surprises me because he's the kind of goalie I think players love to play in front of, uh, you know, personality wise. And just with his style of play, as I was talking, he's not the goalie that's flying all over the place and trying to be the hero. He's the goalie that just plays a solid structured game and I think works really well with the guys in front of him. And so, you know, who knows what goes into block shot percentage, but um, I think there's probably a lot of factors, but, you know, just speaking anecdotally, you probably would have expected him to be a little bit higher in that regard. And so I think if there are guys blocking more shots in front of him, that can only help uh, because, you know, that any goalie will tell you that if the shot doesn't get there, it's, it's good for them. So I think that, you know, I just get the sense, you know, and I, I know there's a lot of, talk about how this has gone down and what it means for Jonathan Quick and him being a franchise legend and stuff out there. But uh, I just think the way that Corby is playing that, you know, if if he gets out there and gets into a groove and plays well, and and if you look at the save percentages have been posted by, by the Kings this year and, you know, not trying to take anything away from those guys. um, But just the way Corby has been playing, I I think 
you know, if he gets out there and settles in, I don't think the all the noise around this is going to affect him. Um, just knowing him as a guy, he, he's very finished. He's not, you know, an emotional uh, guy. He's very just kind of calm and stoic and go with the flow. Um, I think he's going to fit in there. I really do. And I would not surprise me at all if he has a really good stretch here uh, in L.A. just based off of the, the personality I know and what he's walking into out there. Well, hopefully uh, opponents won't be finishing against him. Um, one of the reasons, sorry, I <laughs> got a point from Dooley there. Uh, one of the reasons the stat that I mentioned fascinates me so much, though, um, is because you can look at other goalies on the same team and see where they land. So, for example, Merzlikens is at 20% of shot attempts blocked by teammates. Corpus Allo is 19.96. So they're, it seems like a team trend, right? It's not. Yeah. One well, we've, we've had a lot of shot against shot attempts mm-hmm. against, I must say. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's talk about though that that pressure question that that adversity question. You know, you sort of addressed it, but how does he handle the media? How does he handle? Because being a goalie, right, is a completely different animal on the ice, but also off the ice. How does he handle being in a tandem, dealing with partners? You know, questions yeah. that inevitably will come up about any team's goalie. Right, and I think that will be the interesting thing about what happens in LA is because, as I said, that. He's played his best when he plays a lot of minutes. You know, right. it, it was hard for him at times to find his game consistently when he was only starting 20 games a season uh, behind Bobrovsky. And, and there have been some times in the last couple of seasons where, you know, it just seems like when he, he gets games and, and works on his game and, and is out there a lot. Uh, and this is probably true of a lot of goalies, uh, but it just seems like his game just gets better the more he plays. And I know, you know, Copley has had, you know, a, a season where, you know, he's become a pretty dependable guy for the Kings. And so I think that's going to be something uh, the coaching staff is going to have to manage. Um, and, and, you know, you can never predict, you really never know how it's going to go. Um, but I, but I would say the trend in Corby's career has been that he has played his best, the more minutes he plays. And so um, it, it will be interesting to see how that all works out. Personality wise though, like I say, he's very finished and things don't really seem to bother him. Um, one of the nicest guys on the team, I think he was actually one of the more popular players in the Blue Jackets locker room over the last number of seasons. Um, And you never know what you're going to get with goalies because, you know, they can be unique personalities. Um, He's the most player like goalie I've ever seen. Uh, Just from the fact that like, you know, he, you know, he's a goalie, you know, all goalies have their quirks, but you know, by and large, he was low maintenance. Uh, You know, he, he never sought out the spotlight. He just showed up every day, um, worked his butt off, um, went through a lot of adversity here and, and just, you know, shut up, went out there, did his job, wanted to contribute to the team. So I think he has a lot of the intangibles that uh, will allow him to fit in into a situation such as this. Um, And also, like I said, he's also a pretty funny guy. Uh, Being Finnish kind of has a little bit of a different deadpan sense of humor than Vladislav Gavrikov. But um, at the same time, you know, he's kind of a silent assassin. He'll say something out of nowhere and you'll be like, whoa, that was now that was funny. Uh, You don't know where it's coming from. Um, But I I think if if I were to say of a goalie's personality, you know, when you're trading for a guy this late in the season, what kind of guy is going to fit into a team immediately? Um, I would think it'd be Corpy just because of that that low maintenance personality. All he wants to do is show up and work and, and help the team. So um, uh, from that aspect of it, I think it's a pretty good gamble for the Kings because he, he fits the mold of what you'd want to acquire midway through a season, I think. Well, Jeff, you have given us plenty to think about, and I appreciate it. One final question, and it is the most important one of all. Do you know if either of these guys have dogs? <laughs> um gaffy does yes right. um i haven't seen him post about his dog in a while but he also had a, a kid about a year ago or maybe two years ago so i think the kid takes uh, precedence over the dog at that point um i, I think corpy has as well, pretty much everyone on our team has had dogs 
um, over the last couple of years. But uh, Corp, uh, Jonas and his uh, wife also just had their firstborn child uh, not that long ago. So they both bring young kids with them as well. Um, so I don't know if that's interesting or not, but uh, I think they've both been dog people and I think they're both kid people as well. Well, it might be interesting, but we do bark madness out here. We don't do uh, kid madness. So, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, listen, Jeff, we really appreciate your time. I know it's a busy day for everybody uh, involved on this call. Best of luck to you down the stretch, and hopefully, we'll talk to you uh, again soon. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. We're out there not that long for now, so we'll have a little reunion. Yeah, that's right, with the guys. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see you on March sixteenth. All right, sounds good. Take it easy, Jeff. Yeah, I think we've been we've been kind of identifying needs as the season progressed here in, in certain areas, and uh, you know felt uh, the conversations. You know, the, the, the trade deadline, um, particularly this year, you see a lot of movement prior to here in the last week, so lots of discussions, and felt that this type of move uh, addressed the two situations that we felt needed to be addressed on the team. I think the team directed us in that. They've, they've played hard. They've been very competitive in different situations, two very difficult road trips back to back here uh, in the last month, put it in a position that we felt as a staff we needed to go out and, uh, like I said, address needs that we had identified um, uh, previously to, to help this team continue to push for the playoffs. Yeah, I, I don't know if there was per se a pivot. Um, you know, like I said, teams uh, – uh, I've been very active on the phone in the last three or four uh, weeks, and then that gets narrowed down, and then you start to see some movement. We had identified uh, two uh, two needs in our organization or, or for the team that we thought uh, we could provide benefits for them to push towards the playoffs. Uh, so those calls, um, you know, between different teams had always occurred. I would say the last 48 hours um, kind of narrowed down or zeroed down to uh, to the to the talks with Columbus. We've gained a cap space in this to to be able to look at different moves. Uh, I'm not sure or certain there's anything going to happen, but um, uh, you know there's there's a lot of time left before the deadline, and you, you start to see different moves or, or different players that may have not been talked about in the past couple of days come available. So uh, we're going to explore different options as long as we're we're pushing forward to to make our team better. I think the team is competitive, and I think each of those moves were to get better. There was a, there was definitely a transition from uh, moving players out without necessarily making it better immediately. I think all these other moves were addressing. Um, you know, you talk all the way back to Denor or Arvidsson or or forward from there, and and I you know suspect any moves going forward here in the next few years are always to try to make this team better it, it, it is competitive and and we want to push to get into playoffs and see what we can do it, it's more focused on our team and and where they've been able to put themselves and uh you know you you look at you know maybe a 20 game mark a 40 game mark you look at the all-star break and then you get to the deadline and and then the focus is what where, where is the team? What, what what do we project to be the next 20, 25 games? And then where can we help the team? Um, like I said, they've been very competitive. They've been led by by Kopitar all year long. And you see these players start to find and fit their roles. And, and we hope these other two players coming in do the same thing. Yeah, I think Phoenix has done a tremendous job coming in uh, when he did and, and, and basically taking over there and uh, you know, finding ways to win games to to allow us to be competitive, to allow us in a position to be able to add to the team. Um, and, and Vlad, yes, we we've been 
you know, obviously looking over the different situations with right-handers, left-handers, and but I think the the mold of the player, a bigger player who uh, very solid defensively, uh, can can play minutes, can do PK, can uh, check top players. Um, you know, you talk about the West and, and the teams as we go forward here, they, they all have good players that, that we, we rely on checking which uh, through a very structured system. Um, I, I think they both come in and, and they give us some added uh, depth in those, in the, in those different uh, areas on our team. Well, I think, I think, like I said, with Gavrikov, obviously the, the style that he plays um, uh, will feed into that. And, and with Jonas, the season he's had this year paired with Copley, uh, going forward, you, you get that solid golf tending. And, yeah, the, the inconsistent, uh, you know, was, uh, was a little more apparent early in the season. Uh, coaching staff had addressed it, and I, I think they've done a good job with that. Uh, now you want to take that into a, a, a every game level. I, I thought we uh, we had a very uh, very competitive road trip. These are two tough trips back to back: the Florida trip, and then you come in here and go to the uh, you know the Islanders, Rangers, Devils, Minnesota, and, and, and finish in Winnipeg are difficult trips. And uh, we got the big two points last night. Now we come home, but we we have to continue to push here uh, to make that run for the playoffs. Well, I, I think Gavrikov obviously is going to play the left side. Now, how, how they unroll, uh, I, I haven't had a chance to go over it with Todd this morning. Um, you know, and, and, and getting them in and getting them He hasn't played in the last few games because he was held out for different uh, trade-related reasons, obviously. Um, it gives us options there. Uh, but I, but the, the, the size and the, the technique that he plays with and the style that he plays with, we, we didn't do. So now we're adding that to our depth. I think Dursey's done a terrific job making that adjustment. Um, and he's really added uh, a lot of uh, different looks to our, our, our back end there. So the combination of all these guys, we've got seven of them currently now, um, you know, leading into the deadline that uh, that can give us different looks. And both Dursey and Walker can play the left if, if need be in different situations. Uh, well, I think, I think, you know, the, the alleged asking prices and things, um, those are established through phone calls and you start to compare, then you, you try to figure out which teams, but once you get identified, um, you know, you get a sense of what the other team is looking for, whether it's, it is draft picks, whether it's uh, NHL players or whether it's prospects. And then, and then you kind of focus your, uh, you know, that, that area of need that they're looking for and see if you have a match for that. Oh, I, I think it's always aggressive like that. And then uh, it kind of, they sort themselves out. I think a little different this year was the amount of movement um, uh, prior to the deadline leading up to it. You know, I think we've been two weeks here, but the last four or five days have, uh, you know, been, been a lot of movement in, in different teams uh, looking to add to help their, their situation. Uh, depth, if you, I think, may be the key word there. I think Ras, uh, Rasmus Kapari's come in and done a real good job earning a, a spot on that line, but he gives you a penalty killer and a right-handed centerman that becomes a, a effective for us. Uh, you know, um, so so depth in different areas is, is probably what we're we're looking at here the next uh, a couple days as we come and uh, and just see. But but again, it has to be the right fit and it has to uh, allow us to get better. You know the value of the draft picks, and and when when they do come into their 
into the helping the system in different things and prospects, but we just felt the the group of forwards and and adding to uh, to the defenseman and the goaltender situation uh, that we we could help this team. Yeah, we haven't entered any or had any of those conversations uh, as of yet. We'll, we'll see how things go. There, there's so many different variables. We're more focused on getting them acclimated to our roster in their spots and push for the playoffs here. I think the stability of Jonas, the calmness of his game, um, not unsimilar to uh, uh, Phoenix right now, the way he's playing. Uh, just the, the feeling of giving us the two, give us a, a, a you know our, 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 our good chance in that for us every night.